0: Healthy from the inside out. This is Valley Well, Valle Salud, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week, we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Welcome to Valley Well Valle Salude. I'm your host, Lauren Vargas. The importance of vaccinations for children and adults is certainly top of mind right now as the coronavirus or COVID 19 continues to be ever present. So, how do vaccines work? And why do some parents refuse to get their kids immunized? Joining us to talk about this is Dr. Michael Doe. He's a pediatrician at Valleywise Comprehensive Health Center in Phoenix, specializing in refugee healthcare. Dr. Doe, thank you for joining us today.
1: Well, thanks for having me guys. I'm, I'm happy to be here and talk with you guys about the important topic of vaccines.
0: Let's start at the basics, if you don't mind. What are immunizations and how do they work?
1: Yeah, so immunizations, also known as vaccines, are a way to give someone protection against an infectious disease. And so vaccines work by taking advantage of the response of our body's immune system, which is basically how we defend ourselves against different germs or organisms. And so when someone's infected with a germ, uh, the body's immune system activates white blood cells that create proteins called antibodies. And antibodies find and eliminate the affecting germ or organism. And even when they're finished their work, antibodies remain in the bloodstream and stay on the lookout for the same germs. That way, if the germs do come back, the antibodies are there to protect the body and can often prevent the infection before someone even shows signs of illness. So vaccines contain weakened versions or inactivated toxins from bacteria and viruses. Once vaccines are given, the body's tricked into thinking that it's under attack from an infection, and this stimulates the response of the immune system and the creation of antibodies. So that's how vaccines allow someone to get the protection uh, of antibodies without having to get sick with a certain kind of infection.
0: So does that scare some people when you kind of talk about how you're almost injecting them with part of the you know virus itself? Can they get sick that way?
1: I can see how it might make some people nervous when you, you break it down and talk about the specifics of a bacteria or virus, but um, really it's a safe and it's a proven way to give people protection against infectious disease. Um, there are a few minor side effects that we maybe see with vaccines, but I really don't expect that someone gets sick from a vaccine or sick from receiving that weakened or, or smaller particle of a, of a germ or an organism.
0: So let's talk about those reactions. What are some of the side effects, possible side effects of getting some of these vaccines?
1: Sure, so most people don't have serious side effects from vaccines, Um, and really if they do, they're usually pretty mild and they usually go away on their own. Some of the more common side effects from vaccines, uh, specifically those that are given as injections, include pain, swelling, redness at the site of the injection, mild fever, headache, or maybe some muscle aches. Like I said, usually symptoms go away on their own, and they really only happen while the body is building the immunity, aka the antibodies we were mentioning earlier. Um, Some people worry about allergic reactions as well to vaccines, but these are extremely rare. And so for every 1 million doses of a vaccine that's given, maybe one or two of those people will have a a severe allergic reaction.
0: So for some new parents, when you're looking at the list of all the vaccines your child should get before, let's say, six years old, it can be overwhelming. It looks like there's a lot. And some of these illnesses or diseases, whatever you want to call them, um, they, they don't really exist very much anymore. And some people haven't even heard of some of this stuff. You know, we're talking about measles, mumps, rubella, polio, all this stuff. So why, why do people need to get immunized if these, um, you know, vi- viruses or illnesses are so-called extinct?
1: Yeah, so, so I definitely could see how uh, vaccines would be overwhelming to to new parents, I mean, uh, or to any parent, actually. So um, they are still, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the most effective way to prevent disease. And that's why we have these extinct diseases or these diseases that don't really exist anymore. It's because people have been vaccinated for so many of the previous years that, these illnesses aren't running around like they used to.
0: We are speaking with pediatrician Dr. Michael Doe about the importance of immunizations. And by the way, you can make an appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by visiting valleywisehealth.org or by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. So it's probably hard to remember all of it, but can we go into detail on some of these milestones that kids need, you know, the vaccines at certain times? What are the big ones? Yeah,
1: to be honest, it's a reality of my day-to-day job. And so it's it's definitely something I'm, I'm always thinking about and, and talking about with our families. Um, Traditionally, um, most, well here at Valleywise, I'll tell you that, uh, most kids receive their first vaccine on their first day of life. They will receive their hepatitis B vaccine at that time. It's the first dose of the hepatitis B series. But as the children get older, the vaccines are typically done when they come in for their uh, well child checks. Um, When kids are older, these are done on more annual basis, once a year. But when they're young and they're infants, these are actually done every couple of months. So after a kid is born, they get their first hepatitis B vaccine in the hospital. They will get vaccines at their two-month well-child check, their four-month well-child check, six-month, 12-month, 15-month, and then uh, the next big go-around is their four-year well-child check. Um, Some of our teenagers, well, all of our teenagers get vaccines as well um, at their 11-year and 16-year well child checks. This, of course, only refers to the non-influenza vaccines because it most certainly is a recommendation that all children six months and older get an influenza vaccine every year.
0: I was going to ask you that. And, um, you know, I still remember the trauma of having to go in for my shots when I was little. That has turned into a core memory for me. So do you have any advice for parents who have, you know, terrified children? Because you want to tell them what's going on, but at the same time, it's hard to understand, you know, why they have to be poked and prodded like that.
1: Yeah. So um, it's a definitely a normal reaction to vaccines. Um, and, but I will tell you that as, um, as science and uh, our study of vaccines have progressed, we're giving more and more vaccines inside just one injection. So that means that with most well-child checks, the greatest number of injections that a child will receive, it's usually just three. And, um, you know, they're given in young kids in the thighs, but as they're older, they're given in the arms. So if everyone is on track with their schedule, they shouldn't be getting poked too many times during a checkup. As far as how to kind of talk to kids to make it less stressful or less painful for them, for infants, I think it can um, be good for moms to nurse or breastfeed their child while they're giving vaccines. That itself is, is a great way of providing pain relief and kind of calming down a child uh, as they're being held and, and given vaccines as well. Um, but otherwise, for older kids, I definitely want to talk to them and be honest to them about the vaccines they're going to get and, and why we're getting them. And really, I try and tell them it's, it's to keep them healthy and to make sure that they stay strong. Um, if kids still um, have pain or soreness at the site of the injection afterwards, um, a dose of Tylenol or, or Motrin is great for, for helping uh, with that pain relief.
0: Those are great tips. Thank you. Um, so for parents who are still a little bit leery, um, about, you know, immunizing their, their children, can we talk about the dangers of some of these, you know, dormant illnesses and viruses and how it affects these children's bodies and can it cause death? I mean, what are we talking about here?
1: That's very much the reason why we recommend vaccines so strongly. It's to prevent the serious health effects that the illnesses can cause. And as you mentioned, they can cause death. So there are a number of different vaccine-preventable illnesses that we have vaccines for and prevent illness, as the name implies. Um, uh, I guess we can talk about perhaps the typical vaccines that maybe... A two-month baby might get, and and why it's important for a two-month checkup. Um, a baby is going to get a number of different vaccines. Typically, it starts with an oral vaccine uh, against a virus called rotavirus. And rotavirus is an organism that can cause some really serious diarrheal illness in kids, so strong that they can even be hospitalized for dehydration if they get the full-on infection. So that itself uh, is not something I would wish on any child and certainly on any family and, and the worries and fears that they have from that. That's uh, the oral vaccine that a two-month-old would get. Um, A two-month-old is also going to receive three injections that have a couple of combination uh, vaccines included in those injections. The first injection typically contains protection against diphtheria, which is a bacteria that can cause a really severe throat infection. Also protection against tetanus, which is more commonly known as lockjaw and can cause severe problems with muscles. Um, And then um, kind of even more importantly, it contains uh, protection against pertussis. Pertussis is a bacteria that causes what's more commonly known as whooping cough. And this is a very strong infection in the lungs that really is uh, risky and harmful for those that are very young babies or those that are very old. Um, And many times it can lead to hospitalization as well. Other injections that a two-month-old might receive uh, at their well-child check would be for against um, Haemophilus influenza. This is a bacteria that causes a potentially deadly infection in the brain and spinal cord. We call that infection meningitis. Um, And then the last injection that um, a two-month-old child would receive at their well child check would be against a bacteria called pneumococcus. Um, And this bacteria can cause a number of different diseases, be it ear infections, pneumonias, or even infections in the blood. And all of these things are very serious conditions. And if I have the opportunity to give a child protection against them, I certainly want to take advantage of it. I don't want to risk any chance that they're going to get this illness because they hadn't had the protection previously.
0: Absolutely. All of those sound like a parent's worst nightmare and something to be avoided. Um, It can be overwhelming, all of these terms that people might not have heard of. So You know, the the providers at Valleywise Health can help you track all of that and make sure your child is up to date. And you can make an appointment with a pediatrician for your child or for yourself by visiting valleywisehealth.org or by calling 833-855-9973. We are speaking with pediatrician Dr. Doe about the importance of immunizations. You uh, specifically work with refugee populations. So what's it been like educating that population about the U.S. healthcare system and some of these vaccines they might not get in other countries
1: it has been a fun ride i'll tell you that um, our refugee families typically come from scenarios that are drastically different uh, than we are used to um, societies that are super different societies that are in disorganization and array and they may not have had reliable access to health care like many of our patients here in the united states do have and so it's it's a huge culture shift if you may for for many reasons for our refugee families but there's a lot of different things you have we try to explain to our families that otherwise physicians and healthcare providers might take for granted things as simple as um, telling a family how to access a pharmacy or that there are refills of a medication available, that might be something that a refugee family might never had experience with. And so it's our job uh, in working with these populations to explain it to them, uh, how best they can access these services that they very much are entitled to. Um It's uh, one of the biggest challenges in working with our refugee families in a healthcare setting is the language barrier. Our refugees, uh, patients that we see at the Comprehensive Health Center speak dozens of different languages, and that complicates everything. From the handouts that we typically give to our, our, our parents so that they can answer questions about their child's development, the handouts talking about the vaccines and the safety thereof, um, or perhaps even when it comes to prescribing something. How are our families supposed to read the prescription labels on the medication bottles if they are not literate in English? So um, it's definitely uh, a challenge um, at times to, to educate some of our refugee families, but I feel it's an important task, and, and that's why uh, I'm very proud of what our clinic is able to do in terms of providing this education.
0: Absolutely. It's amazing. It's an amazing resource. And I can't imagine being them, being dropped into a foreign country where you don't speak the language, you don't understand the system and having to kind of figure it all out. So that's really great that you're there, you know, to help guide them along with the cultural navigators. Um, I want to introduce Chencho Flores. He's on this uh, video call with us and he has a couple questions for you going back to the refugees uh, what are some of the biggest things you have challenges you have when it comes to educating them about it do they have any sort of preconceived ideas that you have to to battle in getting their kids to to vaccinate
1: I would say, kind of like I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest challenges we face is the language barrier. Because that, if we don't have the printed materials to give to them, it means we have to talk to them verbally through an interpreter so that they can receive the information, just like any other family would receive it in a printed handout. But in terms of educating our refugees about vaccines, I will tell you that, by and large, they are happy to have their children receive vaccines. They're coming from settings and places around the world where they have seen the diseases that vaccines prevent. You know what I mean? So they understand what it's like to see a community ravaged by a measles outbreak. They understand what it's like to see an infant um, have diarrhea so strong that they develop dehydration. And so um, I would say the overwhelming majority of our refugee families readily accept vaccines. And um, more often than not, they're disappointed if their kids don't get them.
0: What about the topic of autism? You hear so many people say, it causes autism. Vaccines cause autism. Do do you hear, have you heard people say that uh, as far as patient wise? And what do you say to that?
1: Yeah, that's definitely something that pediatricians like myself have encountered because I think it is a deep seated fear in some of our parents. Um, What, a lot of the controversy about autism vaccines started when um, uh, someone published a study claiming a connection between the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine and autism. Um, this study has since been rejected by numerous organizations and has attempted to be repeated. But really, over and over and over again, studies show that there is no connection between autism and vaccination. Um, I understand that it still is a concern for some of our families, um, so I try and hear them out. I, again, as my job, as a jo- as a pediatrician, it's my job to explain to families. The benefits of vaccines, the risks of not vaccinating, and then to attempt to address their concerns about vaccines directly, including those relating to autism. Autism is is a challenging to talk about for a lot of our families because it's it's a, to be frank, it can be a more difficult health condition. There's no blood test that can tell someone that they have autism. There's no x-ray that can show that a child has autism. And it's really only with special evaluations from pediatric specialists that a child is typically diagnosed with autism. You know, there are are many, we're still learning more and more about the causes of, of autism. And right now it's thought to be kind of a mix of genetic uh, predisposition, and various environmental factors. But none of the studies thus far have shown any kind of link uh, between autism and vaccines. Um, I, um, I try my absolute best to assure every family uh, with these concerns that there is no such connection and that uh, the study that some of these concerns are, are rooted in um, is uh, has since been rejected and then that physician has since been taken his license away and et cetera, et cetera.
0: We are speaking with pediatrician, Dr. Michael Doe with Valleywise Health and District Medical Group about the importance of immunizations. Um, We've discussed, you know, they call them anti-vaxxers. It's a movement fairly recent in the last couple of years, and their concerns about autism. So let's say you just turned 18 and you were raised in a household where the parents didn't believe in, in immunizations, but Now that you turned 18, it's up to you and you decide you want to um, protect yourself. So is at that point, is it too late or how does that work?
1: I would say it's never too late to get vaccines. If someone didn't receive the recommended vaccines during childhood and sought them as an adult, it's definitely possible to catch them up and give the protection that they didn't have previously. Many vaccines don't have an upper age limit, so I wouldn't worry about it being too late for someone. Um, having an appointment with a healthcare provider, I'm, I'm sure they would be willing to, to give such an individual the vaccines that they need But to kind of talk about um, anti-vaxxers previously, um, I've forgotten to mention, um, I most certainly try to talk to families about their concerns and address them directly. But I also try to provide them with resources and information that I trust. Um, I'm a big fan of a, a website from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. It's called Vaccine Education Center. It has all kinds of information about all the different vaccines out there, their ingredients, the benefits, the safety, and really it addresses a lot of the different concerns that parents may have about vaccines.
0: It's probably a little bit easier to understand too sometimes than some of the medical journals where you know non-medical people don't understand all of that lingo.
1: Yeah, no, most definitely. Um, so the the resources available on the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia Vaccine Education Center they're most certainly targeted towards parents and and family members um, uh, whose children are receiving vaccines.
0: If there are more parents who are deciding not to vaccinate, have you seen or heard of a recent return in some of these um, illnesses and diseases?
1: I think we have seen that already with the measles outbreaks in recent years. Um, Really, that's been directly attributed to the declining rates of vaccination against measles, making prime conditions for an outbreak to develop. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, we have concerns that declining vaccine rates make populations more susceptible to outbreaks. And we've already seen this with, with the measles outbreaks in recent years.
0: So for parents who do vaccinate their kids, do they need to be worried or because they got the vaccination, they're protected from this outbreak?
1: I um, I would 100% encourage parents to vaccinate their children, but I also think people need to remember that no vaccine is 100% effective. And, and we can't guarantee that each person's body is going to respond to each vaccine and make the 100% protection that's necessary, the 100% antibodies that's necessary to kind of prevent an infection. So it's important that as many people get vaccinated as possible to reduce the chance that there are people that are going to develop the infection or illness that, that would then be able to spread it to others in the community.
0: So let's talk about the coronavirus for a minute or COVID-19. Um, we're really seeing firsthand what can happen to the world when there is not a vaccine for a, a disease. So um, what, what do you think about um, the possibility of getting a, a vaccine for COVID-19?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, having a coronavirus vaccine is an obvious goal in controlling the larger pandemic. I think it's important to remember that the process of developing a vaccine is a long and complicated one. It requires a lot of work with scientists and different laboratories. And this is considered the preclinical stage. And then once a vaccine is created, it needs to be tested with different groups of people to make sure it's safe and effective. These are called clinical trials. So typically it takes years for a vaccine candidate to move through the preclinical stage and the various clinical trials. However, the US Congress has approved billions of dollars of funding intended to speed up this process for a coronavirus vaccine. Um, I think the the most recent counts list that there are currently over 100 coronavirus vaccine candidates in the preclinical stage and seven vaccine candidates in the clinical trials. We'll have to see and time will tell if any of these candidates will be successful throughout the entire process.
0: So how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted our current immunization rates?
1: COVID-19 is definitely impacting our immunization rates, but in a negative way. In May, the CDC published data that showed from mid-March to mid-April, doctors ordered about 2.5 million fewer doses of routine non-influenza vaccines from a uh, Vaccines for Children program when compared to the same period in 2019. Now, This is suggesting that vaccinations have decreased significantly since COVID-19 was declared a national emergency. The thought here is that the stay-at-home orders and parents' fears about contracting COVID at a doctor's office have led kids to miss visits where vaccines would normally be given. But I think it's important for everyone to remember that pediatric clinics around the country are doing everything possible to make these visits safer. Here at Valleywise, some of our clinics have different waiting areas and exam rooms for well and sick children. We also verbally screen patients for COVID before scheduling an appointment and try to schedule well and sick children during different hours of the day to limit their exposure to each other. And of course, um, our, our staff is paying even more attention to keeping our clinics clean and sanitized.
0: Dr. Doe, uh, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us about the importance of immunizations. We covered a lot of information and we do have a blog um, authored by you on valleywisehealth.org right now. So if you're listening, you can check that out um, and you know, give us a call if you uh, have questions about vaccinations and immunizations. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you guys for having
0: me. We hope you enjoyed listening to Valley Well Valle Salute a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. There, you'll find blogs and videos from our health care providers, and you can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.